Well, all right. Hello out there in the Cotton Belt. Once again, it has not been too long since the last time you heard from us. And uh, because we had skipped a week, um, three weeks ago, four weeks ago now, we're trying to right-size our schedule on these podcasts, so we're going... Uh, we're bringing uh, episodes to you back to back. So here we are, as I sit in our studio, actually our extra office here in here in Cordova. But I'm with my own cotton companion, Mr. Jim Stedman. So uh, we want to dive right in today. Again, there hasn't been a whole heck of a lot going on since the last time we talked to you news-wise, but we are going to talk about a couple pressing news items that Jim has prepared for us. Uh, first, and then uh, we're going to get done with that and bring you the next installment of our Text and Expert series in which we are bringing in um, an, an expert agronomist from our sponsors, BASF. That is Mr. Dan Westberg, and today we're actually talking about a new emerging weed technology, so that's that's a good interview you'll want to listen in on. After that, we're going we're gonna to get into kind of a different discussion. We want to talk about variety selection, and uh, more specifically, the cotton varieties planted 2015 crop report that USDA came out with a couple of months ago. I I find it fascinating for a lot of reasons, one of which is that it tells us so much about what's really going on on y'all's farms out there. You know, the varieties that you select say a whole lot about uh, what you're dealing with out there. So we want to really get into an extensive conversation about what's going on there and what you can expect for 2016. I don't want to get too deep into it right now because, as you can see, we've got much to get to before we get there. So, uh, as you see, we've got a great show lined up for you. We want to sincerely thank you for joining us here on the Cotton Companion, and uh, we will be right back as long as you stick with us through this quick break. Cotton Grower Magazine has the honor of saluting exceptional sacrifice and contribution to the cotton industry through our annual Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. Since 1970, Cotton Grower has handed out this distinguished honor to one individual who demonstrates tireless dedication to the cotton industry through involvement, innovation, and leadership in those issues that have a large impact on U.S. cotton as a whole. Achievement Award winners are chosen after extensive research and thoughtful input from around the industry. Cotton Grower offers sincere gratitude to Case IH and to Delta Pine for sponsoring the Cotton Grower Cotton Achievement Award. In joining the effort to recognize and honor industry leaders, these companies demonstrate their devotion to the cotton industry and their desire to see growers succeed. Well, welcome back, folks. Uh, as Beck said, we've got a couple of news items that we want to talk about a little bit uh, as part of today's podcast. The first one uh, comes via the uh, USDA's Risk Management Agency. Uh, it's uh, They've announced a week or so ago that they were making several modifications to the STACS program, which is the Stacked Income Protection Plan of Insurance that uh, that impacts the upland cotton acres. Uh, they're making some changes to that program for the 2016 crop year. Now, as you recall, uh, Stacks came in as part of the uh, of the most recent farm bill uh, to provide an additional insurance safety net for upland cotton growers since cotton was no longer covered under the traditional commodity programs. Uh, it was official for 2015 and available in all counties where insurance for upland cotton was available. But after the implementation of the 2015 Stacks program, uh, it became apparent that there were some uh, 
some issues that, that growers were making some comments about about possible stacks enhancements. Uh, those comments found their way to the National Cotton Council and uh, and the folks at the council approached uh, the risk management agency and said, what can we do to make uh, some changes for 2016? So there are three modifications uh, to keep in mind as you're, as you're planning your insurance coverage for next year. The first one now allows growers to select 0% coverage based on their production practice. And put, put, put simply, this year, the first year of the program, growers didn't have the flexibility to, deci- to decide if they wanted stacks on irrigated acres versus non-irrigated acres. They could make different choices on coverage levels for each, but they still had to have, you still basically had to have a minimum level uh, out there for one or the other. Uh, this change now means that growers, you can get stacks at the coverage level you want for either irrigated or non-irrigated fields. And in some cases, if you wanted to go all to, uh, to one type of production practice and zero out the other, that's fine too. It gives you the flexibility to choose. The, uh, the second change allows stacks coverage for growers who were in, are, are in areas where you can only secure cotton crop insurance through a written agreement. In, you know, this, this written agreement has to be in place in order to get an underlying insurance policy. Uh, folks in, in those areas didn't have the flexibility this year to purchase a stacks policy uh, in addition to, the, to their other insurance. They do now. And finally, the, uh, the last change for 2016 adds stacks coverage for cottonseed through an optional uh, endorsement. And, uh, and this year, for 2015, that endorsement was only available through uh, an underlying insurance policy, not through stacks. So three changes that have been made to the stacks program that hopefully will, uh, will help folks out uh, as we move into next year with their, uh, their crop insurance plans. The next topic we want to talk about briefly uh, has the potential to be a fairly serious problem or, or uh, fairly serious topic as we move into, uh, into production for 2016. Uh, I'm sure most of you have heard the news that uh, EPA has, has issued a cancellation order for uh, insecticide products con- containing sulfoxiflor. Uh, in the cotton market, that's transform. Uh, EPA has done this in response to a ruling back on September 10th by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals that vacated the product registrations stay basically on the, on the grounds that uh, the court ruled that EPA violated federal law when it approved the registration without additional studies regarding the potential impact on honeybees. Um, the cancellation order at this point means that distribution or sale of Transform and other Sulfox 4 products are prohibited unless they're expressly designated for disposal or for export. If you have any existing stock in your, uh, in your chemical shed around your farm that you didn't use this year, you can still use that product next year as long as you follow the, uh, the product's approved labeling. Uh, again, it's, uh, you know, it, it's kind of a blow to, uh, to folks because uh, Transform was really sort of the, the, one of the top products for plant bug control, particularly in the Mid-South. Plant bugs, as we all know, is still the number one pest of, in cotton throughout the country. 
Uh, now, the folks at Dow AgriScience who, who produce sulfoxiflor uh, issued their statement after the EPA action, and as you would imagine, um, they were, uh, you know, they're willing to work with EPA on this, but at the same time, uh, they're a little disappointed in the uh, in the provision that uh, that EPA that that growers can only use existing stocks, uh, not basically with uh, providing the opportunity to uh, to bring any existing stock that still might be in the pipeline uh, onto the market. Uh, Dow's obviously confident in the benefits offered by uh, by Transform, and they're going to be working closely with EPA and, and uh, the cotton producing states uh, to achieve new registrations for the product uh, and hopefully get the product back into uh, the field as, as quickly as possible. Now, as you can imagine, the, uh, the reaction from extension entomologists and growers uh, and other folks involved in, in insect management has been uh, has been a little little disappointing. Uh, our, uh, out of Mississippi, basically the uh, the statement came uh, that Transform obviously is a highly highly efficacious product against tarnished plant bug and cotton aphids. Uh, it has essentially in in Mississippi Delta and other parts of the Mid South has essentially replaced one to three different treatments of either a pyrethroid or an organophosphate insecticide for plant bugs. Now that's that's a fairly huge statement when you when you think about how much product you you're pulling out of the market and replacing with one that's uh, that's certainly more effective and, and at a lower dose. Uh, and stepping away from cotton just briefly transforms also one of only two products that's available to control sugarcane aphid. Uh, it's, it's a new devastating pest that hit grain sorghum this year. Uh, and the problem with, uh, with this one is now you're down to one product. When you have one product, you increase the likelihood of resistance substantially. And uh, many of the, uh, the, of the entomologists are suspecting that we may start seeing uh, resistance to that other product uh, probably by the end of, uh, of 2016. So it's going to be interesting as we move in, uh, move into the production year. Uh, we don't know what kind of choices growers are going to have for 2016. Uh, there's going to be some impact, obviously, on overall IPM programs. Uh, the interesting part in all this, uh, the original action was brought, obviously, by an environmental group who was who were looking to uh, to protect honeybees. Now they have pretty much half what they want, but at the same time. They've, they're, they're essentially replacing a very effective low-dose, softer insecticide product with more treatments of older, less environmentally, and bee-friendly products that are also less effective on the pests that they're trying to control. Uh, sometimes I guess you have to be careful, you know, to know what you're asking for uh, moving into this. So it's going to be uh, going to be an interesting winter and spring. As uh, as plans are being put in place, and, and we'll keep an eye, we'll keep an eye on what's going on with uh, with Dow and the EPA, and hopefully, uh, situation to get transformed back on the market as quickly as possible. Yeah, you know, Jim, you uh, you mentioned briefly about how the extension guys in the Mid South, particularly in Mississippi, uh, are the have been vocal about how terrible this is for their IPM programs. I'm sitting here scrolling through uh, Jeff Gore and Angus Catchett's 
Twitter timelines at the moment. Actually, Angus Catch it by the way, a good Twitter follow if you don't already. <laughs> He's a funny guy. Um, but the the two of them have uh, have ha, again have been vocal about this, um, and, and it only makes sense. You know, it was it wasn't so long ago when corn. I guess it was about oh eight oh nine when we saw a big change in the crop landscape in the mid south. When for uh, uh, multiple different reasons, not the least of which the price of cotton, uh, suddenly there was a lot of corn in the mid south all over the place, and and it, it's in fields right next to cotton. And guess what? Out of nowhere, we have a we have a plant bug infestation like you know like they've never dealt with before in the Arkansas Delta, the Mississippi Delta, Louisiana Delta, and you got guys spending north of sixty sixty five dollars an acre just on plant bug control. So you have it. You have a product like Transform. It's a big deal for them. I mean, there there are enough input, expensive input factors going into producing uh, a cotton crop. When you take a tool like that away, it's going to it's going to matter to these guys, and so it's only natural that you have people like uh, Jeff Gore, Angus Catchett, and others leading the charge, railing against this uh, this legislation. And you know, not least of which, you know, I heard you say there at the end that these other products aren't as bee friendly. You know that is still a huge topic. It's just kind of a mess, like you say. It's 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 this legislation is bull in the china shop type stuff, where you you may have good intentions, but it has repercussions that are counterproductive to what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I think the other the other factor in all this too is it's it's going to be difficult enough to uh, to put a really sharp pencil to a production budget for cotton next year with cotton prices basically looking like they're going to be unchanged uh, from 2015 as we move into 2016 and even the long-range forecast beyond that is you know I think we're still most economists will tell you we're still going to be in the 60 to 68 cent range uh, at least for another year when you take a product like transform off the market but you know how many applications you can use uh, how often you can, it can be applied and you can go ahead and factor those costs into your production budget. Uh, it makes it a whole lot simpler to uh, to get things squared away, particularly if you're having to go talk to your banker here within the next few months. Take that product away, and yes, you're dealing with your options are products that are older and are less expensive. But your problem is at this point, you have absolutely no idea how many times you're going to have to apply. Yeah. And uh, and that makes it very very difficult from a budgeting perspective. Yeah, yeah. I feel, Adam, we're, we are teetering on the brink of being too doom and gloom right now <laughs> in, this, in this very uh, straightforward news item we just presented. So we'll we will cut it off there. You guys know what you're up against. This is something that we're going to be monitoring uh, at Cotton Grower on all of our platforms, the magazine, online, here in the podcast, and uh, elsewhere. So. Just something to keep an eye on. We um, we do want to hold the news uh, portion segment uh, to right there. We want to hit the brakes. Um, we've got some other things to get to, the first of which is an interview we, we recorded earlier this week with Dan Westberg of BASF, where uh, as part of our text and expert program, which you guys should be familiar with at this point, and um, we just want to, uh, to bring that that interview to you shortly so stick with us through this quick break and we'll be back on the flip side with that interview with Dan Westberg.
Okay, welcome back. We are going to dive in now to uh, a segment that is relatively new to the Cotton Companion podcast, but uh, it's a segment that we are excited about. It is the Text an Expert campaign. Uh, You guys may have heard about it. Essentially, this is our program uh, that we're running with sponsorship, with generous sponsorship from BASF, uh, where we want you to shoot us your own farm challenges. We want you to shoot us a text, let us know when you've got a real head scratcher of a problem on your operation, and we are going to put you in touch with, well, put your question in touch with either a regional uh, agronomy expert, sometimes extension guys, sometimes consultants in your area, or a specialist in the field. Uh, that is the subject of whatever text you may send us. And we want to get your question answered. We're going to do that on a number of platforms. We'll do it once a month in Cotton Grower Magazine and each issue of Cotton Grower Magazine. We'll do it online on occasion. And, of course, we will do so uh, on our Cotton Companion podcast, which is why you are hearing about it right at this moment. So it's very uh, easy to participate in the program. You just shoot the word cotton to text the word cotton, I should specify, to 313131, and that will start sort of our automated response uh, from our system that will say, okay, you have our ear, text us your question. It will remind you to be sure to include your name and home state. Uh, That's so we can get you in touch with the proper uh, expert. And from there, you text us the question that you're encountering. Let us know your name. Let us know your home state. You can even include a picture if it helps illustrate the problem that you're trying to describe to us. And uh, we will receive it. We have a queue of questions that we receive from across the country. Uh, it's very difficult to select, but a lot of times we will, or, or rather, we will select one question for, uh, as I say, inclusion in the magazine or online or in the podcast. Okay, enough setting up the program. Let's get to our actual question today. Well, we have joining us a, an agronomic expert from our sponsors, BASF. This is Dr. Dan Westberg. Dan, how are you today? I'm doing just great. Enjoying a sunny day in North Carolina. Very good. Very good. I know uh, we've been talking. I know you stay in the road uh, throughout the year, so I'm sure you are enjoying a day, a rare day at home. Yes, I am. So we have a, uh, our question today actually comes to us from Lee out in California. Um, Lee asks about a product that you guys are hoping to bring to the market uh, in the coming year. He says, how does Ingenia herbicide work with phytogen seed? So let me just uh, clarify uh, real quickly here. I believe, or my understanding is that phytogen uh, will not be carrying the dicamba tolerant trait. Uh, They will be focused on the enlist trait from, from Dow. So, but with regard to Ingenia herbicide, there will be a number of varieties available uh, from a number of seed companies, including Americot and also Delta Pine and then a few others. So I would encourage growers to uh, seek out seed uh, representatives from these companies and others uh, to see what they have available uh, this next year. I know, for example, that Americot will have seven different varieties available with the dicamba tolerant trait. And Ingenia herbicide is the most flexible and most advanced formulation of dicamba that will be uh, provided or put on the market by BASF for use post-emergence in dicamba-tolerant cotton. And this will provide very effective control of the challenging broadleaf weeds that many growers are facing out there today, uh, including glyphosate-resistant palmer amaranth and mare's tail. Uh, Throughout the cotton-growing regions of the south, 
uh, both of these weeds, and in particular the, the Palmer amaranth, has become extraordinarily difficult to control. And Ingenia herbicide will provide a new uh, site of action to use post-emergence uh, in cotton, in the dicamba-tolerant cotton varieties, uh, to get this weed under control and help growers uh, get the most out of every acre. Very good, Dan, very good. And, and, it, and I feel like it's important uh, that we answered that. I know that a lot of growers um, have questions about this new, there's a lot of new technology that's about to come into our market from, uh, as you mentioned, the Enlist technology, which is 2,4-D based, coming into uh, Phytogen's uh, portfolio. And then there's these, the uh, Extend Flex technology coming via Monsanto. So obviously it'll be featured in Delta Pines, new varieties that they have coming to the market, as well as you mentioned, Americot. I know I've seen you at Americot Field Days over this past yep. harvest season. So it's good that we do uh, take the opportunity to to clear up some of that confusion that's out there because things are changing so quickly in the cotton market and uh, necessarily so. As you mentioned, we got a lot of difficult weeds to control. So this new technology is very exciting and uh, Ingenia is very much a part of that. So, yes, it will be very important for growers to make sure that when they're sourcing their seed that they you know, very clear on the trait that they're getting because there is not cross tolerance between, uh, say, the Enlist technology and the Extend technology. Um, so be very sure what trait you have and which product you're putting on it. Very good. Well, Dan, we appreciate you joining us once again. As always, you are very knowledgeable, and we will be in contact with you uh, for the Cotton, Compi- uh, Cotton Companion text an expert segment very soon uh you guys stick with us we will be right back after this short break thanks Okay, so we want to once again thank Dan Westberg for joining us there, serving as our expert in the aptly named Text and Expert program that we're rolling out here in recent months. Uh, You guys keep those questions coming. We need questions to feed to our experts, and you could win $100 in the process. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe you guys are high rollers and and don't... uh, don't care for the hundred dollars, but it's there for the taking. It's there for the taking. So shoot us your questions. So we want to uh, transition from there to a topic that is very uh, interesting to me. I know that it's a very crucial decision that you guys make on your farms uh, at the beginning of every year, and that is cotton varieties and variety selection. It is uh, something that we as a magazine focus on very closely. We have gone so far as to do uh, you know, full feature profiles on the cotton breeders, the guy behind the guys and gals behind the scenes who are in the fields and in the labs making the crosses on these lines to bring you these varieties that, to be sure, more, and I hear from more guys every year saying, oh, I'm breaking yield records, or if my grandfather could see the yields that I'm pushing now, you know, he's rolling over in his grave, things like that. So, you know, these varieties are something. They are you know, there. <laughs> some of you guys get a little frustrated with the tech fees, and and uh, rightfully so. And uh, but there's no denying the characteristics and the value that these things are bringing to the table. There is a variety for uh, every 
situation on your farm. It's, it's kind of amazing the technology that's packed into these things. So we want to kind of examine what all was brought to the market last year, what was popular. There's nothing to me more telling about what issues are affecting U.S. cotton farms than looking at a report that comes out in, in September of each year called the, US, it's the USDA's Cotton Varieties Planted 2015 Crop Report. And uh, it tells us a lot. It tells us a lot about what you guys have going on on the farm. So to get started with this conversation, I just want to sort of present a few factoids that, are, that were included um, in this report that USDA put out in September. Uh, uh, about just about every brand that we cover, um, we cover all of them. So uh, just to lead off, just, uh, just a sort of brief examination, sort of bullet points on this thing. Delta Pine was the most popular uh, planted brand in 2015. It accounted for 31.2% of United States acreage, which is really something. Um, it accounted for a whopping 50.1% of the acreage in the southeast. That's Alabama, Florida, Georgia, North and South Carolina, and Virginia. And uh, it accounted for just about 30% in the Mid-South and 23.7% in the Southwest. Obviously, the Southwest is the biggest. There's a bigger pie in the Southwest than there are in those other regions. Um, so Delta Pine had a great year. Those guys, those guys uh, can be proud of, of what they got done in 2015. The Bayer uh, FiberMax brand was the second most popular in 2015. Of course, Bayer's uh, varieties are split between two brands. FiberMax uh, was the most uh, uh, second most popular variety planted in 2015. It accounted for 21.6% of all acreage in the U.S. Uh, and 33.4% and, uh, in that very large southwest market. So a good year for FiberMax. The Stoneville brand varieties were the third most popular planted in 2015, accounting for 16.9% nationally. They also included the single most popular uh, variety planted in 2015, uh, which was Stoneville 4946 GLB2, which I'm going to talk about here in a minute because to me that's kind of a fascinating development that this Stoneville variety caught on in the Southwest, which is of course traditionally FiberMax country between those two brands. So uh, uh, really a banner year for Stoneville as well. Our friends at Phytogen brand varieties, they were the fourth most popular, plant, uh, popular brand in 2015, they accounted for 15.3% of the acreage planted across the U.S. in 2015. Americot was the fifth most popular. They accounted for about 6.4 of total U.S. acreage, uh, which was, you know, a, a very good year for Americot as well. And of course, uh, we have other brands, Altex and Dynagro, which are now sister brands, had a big year, especially in the Southwest. They captured, I believe, about 10% out there. Uh, Cropland, uh, a, a very good year as well. So, so each year, our November issue is a, uh, we call it the variety showcase. We sort of go in depth about each of these uh, companies and the varieties that they've brought forth. Because again, it tells us a lot about your farms. And just a little inside baseball here, in, in October, I travel out to Lubbock. This year I did it twice, two weeks in a row actually. There's a lot of time in the embassy suites hotel out there um which is fine they got a great bar it's our lubbock office that's right <laughs> great barn lobby area there but uh we i was out there for two weeks in a row i went to four different companies uh field days learning as much as i can about these varieties that are coming out and i went to i believe i was in lorenzo uh 
possibly Idaloo. Um, forgive me, I get my West Texas towns mixed up on occasion. Those are both West Texas towns. There you go. Yeah. Yes. Um, but it was for the Bayer Field Day, and uh, you know, I sit down and get to talking about, uh, or actually, I'm just sort of there listening to the presentations, and it was the first I'd heard of this development that Stoneville ST. 4946 GLB2 ran out there and snatched up all this acreage in the southwest and sort of landed as the most popular variety in the nation. Now, for the past, gosh, three or four years, and don't quote me on that, but Phytogen had been uh, had, had the most popular variety in the nation, uh, Phytogen 499. 499. WRF, yes. For the past three years have been the most plenty variety. It had another great year. It was the second most popular variety this past year. But so, you know, <laughs> that has sort of been Phytogen's uh, strategy. They don't come out with six, seven, eight different uh, new introductions every year like some of the other companies might. They aim for a uh, shotgun approach, I, I would call it. Um, they, they want a variety that's going to be a workhorse under all different types of conditions, going to yield well, and they've succeeded in producing that type of thing. No greater example than Phytogen 499. Stoneville Bears varieties, on the other hand, have been more of a rifle approach, more of a sort of we're going to tailor this thing for a very specific acre, be it uh, dryland, irrigated, be it uh, sandy loam, uh, you know, just any, any type of agronomic factor, they've got a variety specified for that uh, in a lot of cases. And so they, they are not often in that discussion for most planted nationwide uh, single variety. I mean, this year they come out with ST4946, and sort of by happenstance, these guys in the southwest, particularly in West Texas, you know, I, I'm talking to Kenny Melton about this as I'm out there. He's a, a Bayer agronomist. And he was telling me about how this variety came to be adopted out there in Texas. He says, Stoneville used to have a reputation as being just too loose in the bowl for there in West Texas. Uh, but this variety is proving that that's no longer the case. Um, another big factor in its acceptance is that it's going on nematode acres and doing very well. To me, that was very telling. I know that so many of you guys are dealing with nematode stuff. You don't have, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the... Uh, we don't have Timic. We yes. don't have Timic anymore. Timic. Just, you know, sometimes you got to give me five seconds. It'll come to me. <clears throat> Timic, you got the loss of Timic. So many of our agronomists, our extension guys who we talk to say you have to take a, a whole systems approach to nematode control these these days. And that starts with, number one, picking a nematode resistant or tolerant. That all of the seed guys get on to me if I miss. I think it's t tolerant is the word that you're supposed to use there. Variety and and Stoneville forty nine forty six is certainly uh, something that would qualify uh, with that. It's again it accounted for a whopping thirty two percent of uh, of all acreage in the mid south, um, and it accounted for nearly eleven percent of every acre of cotton that was planted in the United States in twenty fifteen was planted in Stoneville forty nine forty six, which is just truly remarkable. Um, you know, Kenny was telling me it's really stepped it, stepped it up in terms of length, strength, and micronair, and uh, just made a name for itself in every region. So a banner year for that variety in particular. For Stoneville, you know, it, maybe it'll signal a sea change. You know, you we are used to brands being 
certain brands being region specific. And for the longest time, when you thought of Stoneville, you thought Mid-South, Southeast, maybe that's not going to be the case anymore um, if 2015 trends hold true. Now, Jim, I know that you uh, went and spoke with the guys at Delta Pine for their, for your feature in the November Variety Showcase. What can you tell me about what they had going on? Well, I think one of the things that, you know, obviously Delta Pine is, is um, was very, very pleased with being the top brand again in the U.S., uh, but they, I don't think they take, certainly don't take their success lightly. Um, one of the things that uh, they're sort, you'll find them, they're sort of a company in transition at this point. Uh, some of their most popular varieties, the uh, Delta Pine 1044 B2RF, uh, which has been the, which was the third most popular variety this year, uh, still is part of the Bolgard 2 Extend Flex, or excuse me, the Bolgard 2 Roundup Ready Flex program. Um, now, as uh, as we moved into 2015, uh, with the in, the uh, approval for the Bolgard to extend flex varieties, um, a handful of those varieties were brought to the market, uh, even though they couldn't utilize the full technologies behind uh, behind the uh, the label. Uh, but they also showed off very very well. Uh, I talked with Keelan Goldston. Uh, with Delta Pine. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, know Keelan very, very well. Uh, he's uh, He talked to me a little bit about some of the varieties that they have, things that performed really, really well. Uh, additions or, or varieties like uh, Delta Pine 1522 B2XF, uh, and that's that's sort of a, a mid-season variety that, uh, that has shown good promise for the company all the way from the Carolinas and Virginia all the way out to West Texas. Uh, you've got Delta Pine 1518 B2XF. Uh, it's a, a very good variety. Again, Upper Southeast, the Mid-South, on into Eastern Texas. Uh, 1538 B2XF, uh, which is, is really adapted to the sandy or dryland soils in the Southeast. Uh, Delta Pine 1533 B2XF, uh, a full season variety that's a really good fit in the southeast and parts of East Texas, and, and Keelan basically says he thinks it's going to be one of the top yielders in the southeast uh, if we can get all the cotton out of the fields out there. Uh, and then finally, one other variety that uh, that showed some good promise for them this year was DP 1549B2XF, uh, which is basically a, a variety that was bred exclusively for Texas out of the company's Texas breeding program. Uh, they're very, very high on that. Uh, one of the other, as, as Beck was mentioning, as you were, as you were talking about, some of the, uh, the nematode varieties. Uh, I think in, in my travels through the southeast this year, I, I came upon a couple consultants and, and visited with them in terms of, they were looking at, at the, nema, the key nematode tolerant varieties from the companies, and that would be, uh, that would be uh, from Delta Pine, from Phytogen, and from Stoneville. Uh, and they were looking at, in, in test plots, of ways of, uh, of being able to get the performance in soils that are infested with nematodes without having to build the whole production package in place, whether that's telone, whether that's vellum total, whether it's anything else, basically to see what kind of yields they could get just by planting these varieties. Uh, when I was out there in late July, early August, they were real excited about what they were seeing in the fields. Now, you know, the proof obviously will come when they get in and, and, uh, and, and harvest those plots, and we'll take a look at it uh, probably as we, as we move into the new year as that data becomes available. 
uh, but they were looking at it in terms of both protecting your yield but also ways to kind of protect the bottom line for growers as well. Yeah, uh, it, with nematodes, we know that there's a lot of, well, I wouldn't say there's a lot, but each of the brands is bringing forward something. You know, each of the brands has a, uh, a recently introduced nematode-tolerant nematode offering for you because that is just such, it's, it's, I don't want to call it the pest du jour, but it's, it's something that's really come on as problematic for growers here in the past few years. And, and you mentioned, Jim, that Delta Pine is in sort of a transitional phase. Everybody knows that Extend is coming and it's replacing a lot of the traditional right. B2RF uh, technology packages. A lot of our seed brands are are sort of in that uh, position, and I know that Phytogen is another one that's got a new tech package coming along. Absolutely, uh, Phytogen. Uh, again, you still have Phytogen 499, as as we talked about earlier, 499 WRF, uh, which is their wide strike Roundup Flex variety uh, and technologies. Uh, but um, they're waiting at this point. Uh, there, uh, from what I understand in, in my discussions with them, there are some new varieties sitting there, some good varieties that are waiting for the final approvals on the Enlist Weed Control Program, uh, which, if approved, when approved, would allow uh, application of a 2,4-D variation, a variation of a 2,4-D product over the top uh, for weed management. Uh, they're very optimistic that all that will be squared away as we move into early 2016. Fingers are crossed. They're they're right on the cusp. They they're got, right on the cusp. I believe they've hurt. They've crossed all the hurdles domestically. They're waiting on a couple of overseas markets to give them the final regulatory green light in, in a country like Japan, which is a trade market. Mm -hmm. You know, if you ever need a reminder that the world is flat, this American seed company has all of the regulatory hurdles passed here in America, <laughs> and they are waiting on the Japanese bureaucracy to be able to fully use this tech package. But they are confident. I mean, I, I think, just my opinion, I feel like they are on the cusp. And, and we've spoken with phytogen representatives Absolutely. who are very confident as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. I think, you know, right now the only, the only real hang-up in the U.S. Is, uh, is the approval. USDA has approved the enlist cotton trait. Uh, which follow, follows, you know, at least a year behind uh, the enlist approval for corn and soybeans. Uh, and this 2015 was really sort of the first launch year for those products in certain states of the U.S. Uh, what we're waiting on for cotton right now is the EPA approval or basically label extension for their, uh, for their technology for the product to be used over the top. So once, once that's in place, uh, phytogen should be good to go, and we should be looking at, at, uh, at some new product, new variety introductions from those folks. In the meantime, they're still in great shape. We've talked about 499. Uh, one of the products they were really, really happy with this year, uh, really kind of a launch year, was Phytogen 333 WRF. And again, it's one of those broad-based varieties that works all, and it seems to have worked in, in all geographies. Um, they've, uh, they've talked about Phytogen 444 WRF, uh, which is sort of a mid to full variety that's, uh, that works really, really well in those southeast markets. Um, they have uh, Phytogen 552 WRF, uh, a good full season variety. Uh, they're watching it. 
uh, very closely this year. It's looking very looked very promising in the field. Obviously, we're still waiting on all the yield data, and then of course their nematode variety, uh, 487 WRF. So, uh, phytogen looks to be in good shape as we move into uh, into next year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, those guys always have the the workhorse that's up there at the very top of the most planted varieties list. 499 has has been that one for them for the past few years. Uh, Another of these companies that is absolutely in a state of transition when it comes to the tech uh, package that they are using with their varieties is Americot. Uh, this is a, uh, I was out there at Americot's field day in early October uh, out there in West Texas, and I, and I spoke with Terry Campbell. He's always a great interview. And, uh, you know, those guys are, the thing about it is they've still, they've still got, you know, an offering like uh, NextGen Variety uh, NG1511B2RF, which is the leading seller um, in their uh, profile, in their portfolio. I mean, it ha that, that variety alone had nearly 5% of the acreage in that sizable Southwest market. So it's a very successful variety. I mean, they're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. They're going to continue to provide that to their customer base who clearly wants it. But in the meantime, they, they are, you know, the focus of this field day I went to, they're trying to, just like everybody else, show off these new uh, these new varieties that they have in the Extend package. And one of those that they're very excited about is NG3406B2XF, which they say is really sort of a sister companion to 1511. <coughs> Excuse me as I get a sip of water here. Get to talking too much, y'all. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, thirty NG thirty four zero six BTXF sister variety to fifteen eleven, and they say it's one of these that's going to go on acres from Georgia to New Mexico. I mean, they are they're excited about it. Um, again, it, it's it's a sister variety to fifteen eleven, but they say that they've tried to improve on the fiber quality. I guess I'm a little tighter in the burr, and uh, it's a good grader and a very good. Uh, uh, yielder as well. So I know these Americot, these next gen guys are excited about that. They've also got uh, several others coming down the pipe um, in the new introductions. Be on the lookout for NG5007B2XF and NG3405B2XF. Uh, they're making waves. They say those two are making waves as well for 2015. NG5007B2XF that's mid to full maturing, and uh, it's vantage that it has huge turnout at the gin. Uh, long staple, fitting on dry land acres. Uh, you know, the, the Americot is another of these that has a portfolio where they can really custom fit you with a variety that is going to uh, work on your specific conditions. No two farms are alike, and, uh, and these guys know it. So Americot headed in the right direction, ready to, just like Delta Pine, just like who are our others, Dynagro and Altex, they've got these Extend technologies. They they are ready to get the final green light to be able to spray dicamba products over the top of these things. They're just sort of waiting on the USDA green light. Dynagro, Altex, I've been out there. I go out each year. It's one of my favorite interviews I go do. Duck down to, um, to uh, oh gosh. Leveland. Leveland. God, if you give me five seconds, it would have come to me <laughs> to go. Forgive me, y'all in Leveland, to go talk to Cody Pogue, who is uh, the longtime Alltex sort of GM there, uh, and of course Alltex recently merged with Dynagro. So, so uh, 
they're proud of their of their offerings they got. As I say, they are transitioning into these uh, Extendflex varieties. They could have as many as eight varieties, new varieties in uh, Extend. Those would be all Altex and Dynagro brand varieties in 2016. 2015 was a good one for those guys. They captured 10% of that sizable Southwest region acreage and uh, 7% of the national market. That's a big year. That's a big year for uh, for Cody Pogue and those Altex and Dynagro guys out there. So I know that they're proud of it, and they would point to this portfolio that they have uh, for their success. Um, one of their extend offerings in 2016 they say to look out for is DG33B2XF. It's a mid-mature, and it's done really well everywhere. It's another of these that can go across the Cotton Belt, Georgia, Mid-South, Texas. It's a true workhorse. And, um, you know, they, they uh, Pogue was telling me that everybody in Texas talks about how well it came up, even through the rough weather that so many of those guys had out there during planting season. And so uh, he says it's dry land irrigated. It performs well on both. So, you know, those guys are happy about what they've going on. Uh, Jim, I believe you did a report on cropland as right. well. Right. I, I think the one, thing, the one thing that's interesting in all this is you're looking at companies that are the size of Dynagro and Altex and cropland uh, who are all, you know, Altex has been in the market for years. Yeah. Uh, and primarily, you know, with its niche in, in Texas. Uh, Dynagro has, uh, is, has been in the market for several years uh, and, and, again, has helped expand that portfolio. Uh, Cropland is uh, is another company that is is sort of an up and coming uh, company in terms of, of uh, cotton seed, but I think it's in, it's interesting because I think one of the common elements that we saw through all of these interviews and all these discussions was with the Extendflex technologies moving into some of these smaller, more regional seed companies. It's giving them the opportunity to expand their footprint uh, out of. What, what would normally be their markets into, out of Texas, into the Mid-South, into the Southeast, and again, look for those areas where the varieties really, really work. That was one of the things I kept hearing from, uh, from Robert Kosar at Cropland. Um, basically, they look at the data that comes out of the fields from yield and, and performance data and look at where's the best geographical fit for their varieties. They know they have the germplasm, they know they have the technology, but where can it really fit to maximize what, those, uh, what the products are bringing? Uh, they had two new varieties this year, uh, Cropland 3475B2XF and Cropland 3885B2XF. Uh, both of them uh, really, really looked, uh, looked well. Uh, some pretty, uh, pretty broad geographic opportunities for both of those products depending again on where the best fit would be and that could be uh, that could be soil variety that could be uh, whether it's a full season short season uh, so those are going to be their two workhorse varieties as they move into next year uh, Robert also wanted to make sure that uh, that everybody understood that there would still be some good good supplies of Cropland 3787 B2RF, their uh, their Guard 2 Roundup Flex variety. So uh, I think that's uh, that's one of the things that, uh, from a grower's perspective, you got a lot of choices moving into next year. Uh, and when you go yeah, back, that's yeah, an understatement. And when you go back and you start talking to extension specialists, and they say, you know, they will all tell you to a man that uh, seed the variety selection is the most important decision you'll make for your farm each year. Uh, 
and considering you know the current situation of the market and the market prices and uh, the uh, the possible expenses that uh, that we're dealing with, again, looking for a variety that fits your fits your fields, fits your situation, and provides the uh, the potential for uh, for high yields and uh, and good fiber quality. Absolutely, absolutely, Jim. All right, we wanna we wanna hold the the variety discussion up right there. We're running a little long on time. Uh, we want to encourage you, if you like what you're hearing, please tell your farmer buddies about us. Uh, let them know about the podcast. They can find it by going to cottongrower.com and just typing Cotton Companion into the search bar. Or uh, you could subscribe to our channel on iTunes. Pretty pretty simple. Just search for Cotton Companion and, and you can find us that way. I have done it uh, as technologically unsavvy as I am. I figured out how to do that. Um, another great, great way, rather, another great way, easy for me to say, to be sure you receive each installment of the Cotton Companion is to just sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. Uh, that's something that Jim works on each week. It hits your inbox on Tuesday mornings, and it's got all of the news of the cotton world packed into that little uh, e-news, e-news mail, e-newsletter that hits your mailbox each week. So. Uh, you can do that as well by going to cottongrower.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and find the link to subscribe to, to our e-newsletter. Um, if you are listening on iTunes, please go ahead, subscribe to the channel, and leave us a rating to let us know what you think of our pod. Also, if you're following us on social media, we are Cotton Grower Mag, at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter and on Facebook. You can find us by simply searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. If you are following us on those social media platforms, reach out to us. Let us know what you think about the podcast. Let us know what topics you'd like for us to cover. Uh, you know, let us know if you find my voice insufferable. You know, just <laughs> let us know you're out there. We would appreciate it. We know you are. We know several hundred of you are listening each week. And again, we certainly appreciate that. Uh, but we want the feedback from you. You can find our latest print offering. We are, after all, a magazine company where magazine editors you can find that uh, latest issue which is going to be the by the time this reaches your ears it'll be the november or rather the cotton grower annual which mm-hmm. comes out the last week of november again that's something that we're very proud of it's sort of a yearbook it looks back at the 2015 production season that was we've got a lot of uh, feature guests who have written great features for us in this in this edition, and uh, we think you'll really like it. So look for that hitting your mailbox at the end of the month. This prod, excuse me, this podcast is produced by Mark Antonelli, who works at the Mothership Maestro Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Beck Barnes, and I'll be back with you in two weeks for sure on the next episode of the Cotton Companion. For now, on behalf of my own Cotton Companion, Jim Stebman. Uh, Best of luck to you and your farm in the days ahead.